It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey everyone, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. This is a very exciting episode for us. Yes. One of our writing heroes is here. I can't believe here. we had her. Yeah. <laughs> very glad uh, that Jane Espeson can join us. Yeah. And uh, we will get to her in a few. Uh, Let your hearts be ready to explode because she is the sweetest, most lovely, intelligent lady in the world. And she's worked on everything that is awesome in the world. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, kind of mind-blowing. Be ready for that. Uh, a couple of uh, housekeeping issues before we get there. Issues? Yeah. I don't, I don't know we've got issues. some issues. we got some serious issues, guys. Cole and I have issues. <laughs> sure do. Uh, if you like the show, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Yes, it really helps us to get featured and it helps get the podcast out there. So take a few seconds and it, we really appreciate it. Yeah, if you like the show. And if you don't, you can email us at info at popmyculturepodcast.com um, and you can email us if you do like it too, but really we do take everybody's suggestions really seriously. If there's things you'd like us to change or you know, we love your feedback and uh, we do right back. So that's again, info at pop my culture podcast. So reach out to us anytime. That's right. Uh, we are pretty much completely listener supported. Yeah. We do have a stray sponsor every once in a right. while. Uh, but, uh, your donations help us to keep the show going. We do have some overhead and things. Yeah. Expensive waters for the guests. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's a donate button on our website, pop my culture podcast.com. Um, feel As free. We always say click it or ticket. <laughs> That's right. Um, and every donation is super appreciated. Actually so appreciated. Um, that this, I got this weird thing in my hair I'm about to shake out. What is this? Uh, uh, hey, why? It's Tiny Nick Nolte. How you doing? We invited him here. Um, well, we invited you here, sir, to give the thank yous to our guest, as we explained to you. Uh, well, I got time now that Luck's been canceled. I'm so, so sorry to hear about that. Horses keep dying. Yeah. There's nothing we can do about well, it. Well, you could so. have not used your tired horses and... Uh, Stopped. Stopped filming, but okay. Uh, whatever. That's <laughs> the luck. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mr. Nolte. show was luck. I understand so, the joke, uh, yeah. Give me a vegetable sandwich. No, this isn't... You're not oh. at a place... Where, we're not a restaurant. Can you just do the thank yous? Sure. Uh, let's see. This is a list here. Yeah. People with yep. uh, can, right. can you read that? Yeah. Can you read? Johnson. Uh, Johnson. That's, Don't take this where you want to take it. Uh, I got something that I <laughs> no. 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 Johnson, thanks for... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for donating to the Pop My Culture podcast. I'm sure they really appreciate it. <sighs> okay, and we also have a young man named Scott. Scott, uh, my favorite brand of bathroom towel. Okay, uh, Mr. Nolte. What? We we set a few parameters that we don't like to touch on when we do the thank yous. You can't cage the Nolte. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, thank you, Scott. <laughs> all right. Who else we got here? We have uh, Deborah. Deborah. That's... Debra, de right? No. <laughs> Women wear them on their boobies, so. Well, that was tiny Nick and old. Well, no, get don't put me back. Get no, back don't in put my me butt. Back in your, <laughs> thank you, Debra. Well, um. Oh, Cole's back from the bathroom uh, now. What'd I miss? What'd I miss? <laughs> I just shook Tiny Nick Nolte out of my hair and he got offensive real fast. Oh, that guy's terrible. I know, right? <laughs> I could imagine if anybody was to do that voice for more than four minutes, they would be really sore. Right now. 
Oh, boy. Oh. So thank you guys for donating. Yes. And I want to remind you that I'm still um, doing Leukemia Lymphoma stuff. Leukemia Lymphoma Society, Woman of the Year, um, I was nominated for. And I've been spending a lot of weeks trying to raise funds for this awesome organization in honor of friends that I have that are living with leukemia. And we have one of our favorite listeners slash internet friends, Andy Finkel, who's an artist that did the photo or the picture of Andy Kendler with beans coming out of his mouth that's been posted on our website. Awesome artist. He's amazing. He's funny. And he has offered to do um, portraits of people with like... A wizard grants you two wishes, you know, any of the questions from our first, or you can make up your own question or I can make up one for you. And he'll paint a picture of you with this wish happening to you. So you could be covered in belly buttons. That's right. You could be covered in belly buttons. Um, And if you donate $100 to LLS, he will do that portrait for you, which is amazing. That's really so generous of him. Um, So you can just write me at uh, Vanessa at popmyculturepodcast.com, and I can set everything up for you. Again, that's thanks to Andy Finkel, andyfinkel.com, and you can write me at Vanessa at popmyculturepodcast.com. No, that's Vanessa at popmyculturepodcast.com. Not Vanessa at popmyculture. Oh, no, podcast.com. That won't get you anywhere. Oh, my talking is bad. You can also write Cole at popmyculturepodcast.com. He'll pass on the word to me. It's true. If you're confused. And another thing, for all of our New York City listeners, I'd like to invite you to spend an evening with me. Um, I'm actually coming to New York really soon, and I would love to see you at this event we're hosting. It's a cabaret with an amazing lineup of singers and songwriters, a lot of original songs, and also a lot of fun standards. Everything is around a medical theme, and it's a benefit for LLS. It's called A Medical Medley Kicking Cancer in the Cancer, and I'm putting it on with my best friend since I was seven, Sarah Ziegler, and it's Monday, April 23rd at the Duplex Piano Bar, um, which is at 61 Christopher Street, New York, New York. And you can find it on Facebook if you search A Medical Medley. Uh, We have an open invite there, and that has all the details on it. I'd love to see you there, and everything at the door goes straight to LLS. And we can hang out and drink after. Uh, Well, let's get to our guest, shall we? I'm so excited. She's so fantastic. Adorable. Here we go. Our guest today, uh, she's an amazing writer, producer. She wears a lot of hats. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Jane Edsvenson is here. Hi. Hello. We're so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Good. Very cool. Then we're mood twins. <laughs> have you ever had a mood twin before? <laughs> Your rings are identical right now. The polka dot. Great. I love it. Um, well, yeah, we're amazed. You have an amazing body of work that we can't wait to jump into. Oh. Can we edit that so it just says you have an amazing body? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll spit that part out. Yeah. Your abs are killer. <laughs> I mean, everyone at this table table has killer abs. Though. Well, yeah, that's the first thing we that's, bonded over. That's why we're topless. Spray <laughs> hey, uh, us again, Rico. <laughs> so, welcome to the Pop My Culture Abcast. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> it's a show that's all abs all the time. time. Only abs. Audible abs. I wish my abs had. Um, we're not talking sound. about quads today. No, no. It's a different episode. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> it's an episode. Mm. Yeah, there you go. There it is. That, there it is. that wit you're famous for. <laughs> yes, that was it. <laughs> it's it's revealed itself. Um, well, this feels like a party, and this is my good transition. Speaking of parties. Wasn't oh, that good? Yeah, that was really nice. Thanks. Really I'm not nice. good at um, transitions. It <laughs> was great. But I think but the, the problem is when you do have a good transition, I always you point call out that you have a good transition, thus negating the <laughs> good transition. It every time. It is a trend so, I have. 
Well, there you go. Well, I wanted to talk about that London thing. Sure. Uh, this is something we read about. It's pretty crazy. So uh, this English couple, super rich, spent $1.6 million to install a dance club in their home so their teens will stay home and party there wow. as opposed to going out. Uh, it's uh, the don't club don't ever leave us is located next to the teens' <laughs> bedrooms and features a dance floor embedded with thousands of pulsing lights, a professional standard DJ booth, and sound system. Whoa, cool! It seems like Richie Rich, right? Like yeah, the sequel. Like, it all does. Up. But I can imagine those kids being like. Pfft. Dance club, oh, parents are the worst. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Still got to throw a fit about it. But if you have that kind of like the super cool parents, your only way to rebel is like, but I'm going to the library. Right. Like, like so I'm not maybe, even into it. yeah, maybe super smart of those parents. Like, they could end up with like really, really. They've created like academic philanthropists right. exactly. out of that dance club. Yeah. yeah. Very, very true. savvy. Way to go, parents. Always two steps ahead. I wonder what they do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So, They're super rich. They spend their time building personal biospheres for their children. <laughs> so they'll never get to see the oh, outside mama, world. Oh, daddy. That's not why the kids want to leave, because of the cool floors. Like, you want to go away out of your house, I think, is the the missing piece. Right. Yeah. You aren't just going like, there's not, but there's not a DJ here, yeah. mom. That's not <laughs> yeah. really why you're, why you're heading out at night. My rebellion was 100% DJ based. <laughs> I never rebelled. <laughs> what happens if like they're partying at like 2am, their parents are pounding on the door, turn the music down. Yeah. Some of us are trying to sleep in the other wing. <laughs> Imagine the insurance things involved with that, with having a club in your home. Oh like, my gosh. Like, I don't it's know. No, it seems like very worrisome. It's starting to dawn on me that this may not have been a really practical <laughs> But you've already built the mansion. <laughs> it's too late, Rebecca. <laughs> British women are named Rebecca. Are often. All of them? <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> In this day and age. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, another thing that just happened, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis... Just yeah. got married for the seventh time. He's 76 years old. And what makes this extra <laughs> wonderfully creepy and tied into the Jerry Lee Lewis legacy is he married Judith, his caregiver, who is also the ex-wife of his third wife's brother. That is so confusing. Still keeping it in the it's family, Jerry Lee. But it's very Henry VIII. Yes. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. Oh, man. That whole world... Of, well, it's so weird because it started out creepy with him. like Right, the cousin. Yeah, yeah. Right. and all that jazz. And it just keeps... He's never going to give up. It's kind of Charlie Chaplin, too. Like, I've still, right, I've still right. got this. Absolutely. But um, I think it's a little creepy. Of The whole situation feels like it could be the beginning of a horror movie. Like, you marry your caregiver. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's that to me. The marrying the caregiver is creepier than it's the ex-wife of the first wife's brother. Like, like that's... Everybody in yeah. his world is somebody's brother that he was married to once. Like, right. How right. are you yeah, not related? He's the Kevin yeah. Bacon of marriage. Yeah, at this exactly. point, everybody is yeah. six degrees away from him. But caregiver is creepy. Yeah. It's like, like, wipe that and kiss me. Right. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yucky, yuck. I hadn't even gone there. That's very true. Oh, that is true love, maybe. <laughs> I changed your bedpan and... Oh, flowers. This is great. Oh, <laughs> yucky, yuck. <laughs> but I bet she shakes his nerves and rattles his brains. <laughs> kind of love drives a man insane. She broke his will. <laughs> what a thrill. Uh, so poetic. <laughs> oh, boy. So, okay. 
this is we're recording this. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, so by the time somebody hears this, this will already be back. But it's coming back this Sunday. Game of Thrones yeah. is returning. Yeah, something Miss Espenson knows well. Yes. Well, I could, I wrote one episode in season one, and it's a great episode. <laughs> Thank you. I, I really lucked out, but it was it was a freelance thing. It was like come in, write one episode for us. So I'm not involved in season two, although I would love to do another one. It was so much fun. Such an and, amazing yeah. world. Like yes. Oh, had you been. And a fan? No, or? I didn't know the books. Um, when I got the meeting, like they're going to bring yeah. you in to talk about it, I went out and got the first book and read it. And then I just read the first book because it's like I don't, I don't want to know too much beyond right. what I'm writing. Um, but since then, I've I've read them all. Oh and, my gosh! Oh my god! Yeah, what a world and what. What craftsmanship to lay in characters in book one, they come back around in book five, and you're like, oh, that's what that was about. Like, wow, he really knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I kept thinking also as I was reading, like, the 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 lack of evident fatigue. I mean, I know it took him a long time to write him, and I'm sure there were times when he was exhausted and right. stuff, but the, the, that every moment gets its due, that you feel like every sentence has been considered, and it's like, it's just gorgeous writing. Mm. I love it. How did it feel to come in to that? I mean, had you been watching at that point or were they even filming? It wasn't filming yet. It was just like, oh, there's this thing called Game of Thrones and it's based on this book. Get the book. Go take me in. And I went in like, yes, please. Like, I've read it now. I really want to do this. And they said, "Um, uh, okay, the piece of the book we're giving you, it was, I've never. I've never done anything before that's an adaptation. Right. They're like, the piece of the book we're giving you goes from page, you know, whatever it was, 193, mm-hmm. 215, or whatever. Like, like, you have this chunk of the book. And they said, by the way, your chunk of the book includes the best scene ever. And <gasps> I was like, oh my God, it's the golden <laughs> thing with yeah. the crown and the heart eating. And they were like, yeah, you get that piece. Oh it's my like, gosh. How are you giving that to the freelancer? That's crazy. You always keep the best bits for yourself, but no, they gave they me knew. that bit. You're not just a freelancer, wow, madam. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was very, very pleased and fortunate to be given that that chunk of that amazing book. That's so, such a, yeah. I haven't read the books as of yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I may at some point. I haven't decided because it was kind of fun watching season one not knowing a thing. True. Um, um, having, you know, sharing the same sort of frustration, but not even frustration, but like with people that are like, well, we spent so much time with that person and you just killed them off right, for right, what right. You, uh, seems like no particular reason. But, <laughs> and then, of course, everybody who read the books like, get ready, buckle up. There's a lot of that. As if I'm a big jerk. I know, that's the best part of those comments. Like, people will be like, I can't believe how sexual this show is. Like, they're, they're glorifying all this stuff. And the next person's like, have you read the books? Because they're taming it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. All those people who were surprised by that death you're talking about. Yeah. You, they're just like, well, if you you didn't have to be shocked. Right. You, chose, you, you are making the decision to be shocked, and I respect that decision. And, of course, <laughs> we're talking about the death of Mitchell, the court jester. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Mitch. He was so funny. He was so funny. He was so good. The Lannisters, no sense of humor. No sense of humor. Well, I also, I have another question about, I just don't know how this kind of show operates when it's an adaptation show and they're doing freelancers. Do you get to see the episodes before you, leading up? It seems No, because in, with an adaptation, it is, it is even more irrelevant than it usually is because um, I knew what was going to happen in the episodes before right. mine. It was all on the yeah. page already. Um, usually on a show, they, um, they will give you copies of the scripts leading up to yours. In fact, maybe they did, now that I think about it. They may have had um, scripts leading up yeah. to mine. But if they hadn't, it wouldn't have made much difference because I, I knew they were being very faithful to the book based right. on what the instructions they gave me. Um, 
but yeah, as a freelancer, you usually do, except you usually don't get the one right before yours because it's being written right. at the same time. You know, yeah. Just a few days ahead of you, sort of. Well, so. it's it's just funny to think about those shows because I felt like Game of Thrones had such a consistency, and I guess it is because it's coming from the book. Right. But the voices of the characters and everything, it's amazing to think about all the people working together, and then it becomes so smooth. And yeah. I guess it's because of great source material. Great source material and, and really writers. good showrunners. Yeah. yeah. Benny F. and Weiss, who run it, are, are really good and really smart. And they wrote all the episodes of Season one except three. I wow. got one. George R. R. Martin got one, and um, Brian uh, Cogman got one. That is and, great yeah, company yeah. to be in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love yeah. it. I was uh, actually flipping through IMDb the other day because I'd watched some eighties movie and it mm-hmm. took me on this little like never ending rabbit's hole of like so and so was in this and this and that yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And I came to this movie from nineteen eighty seven that I'd forgotten about called Night Flyers, which was kind of a crappy sci fi movie. And then I realized it was written by George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Really? So I was like, I might need to revisit this now. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. weird when you see that kind of thing that somebody Night that's, Flyers. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. No, I don't know. Putting well, it on go. my list of weird <laughs> stuff to do when I can't. Sleep. I think it had like a three point six out of ten average on. Aww. So don't be expecting. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Going into it, uh, but yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to like that series or not. I was kind of mm-hmm. skeptical at first, and like, and it starts out pretty brutal too. And I was like, right. oh, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be on board for this entire thing. But then all of a sudden, it's just like you acclimate to it, and like, okay, I'm on board. This yeah. might be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, the 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 characters just are so. They just pop great, like Bran fall, and you're like, yeah, Bran. But I liked you, kid. <laughs> yeah, and, and Why? yeah. Um, there's, yeah, and Cersei and Daenerys, and like, oh my god. Did you get to visit set at all? No, they shoot like in Ireland and Morocco and Whoa. stuff, and yeah. So as a freelancer, you're not producing your own episode; you're right. just turning in the script. And yeah, um, um, they did a. Uh, a very lovely rewrite polish on my script. Mm-hmm. So there's bits of it that are mine, bits that, that aren't, which yeah. is really normal. But no, I didn't get to go oh. see any of it. That would be so bizarre to be watching that world happen. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine any of those people as regular people. They live uh, in that world, you know? Yeah. Apparently, Joffrey's like like the nicest guy. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's <He's>, an act. <laughs> I feel sorry for that kid in a sense that, like, I mean, he's so deliciously good in the fact that he's so delicious deliciously off-putting yes. on that show that like he, it's, it's got to be awful for him. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's, I, I think the same thing the guy that from the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake that played right. the rapist oh, like, yeah. like how can he go anywhere? Yeah, right. People have got to shoot him the dirtiest of looks. Like, oh, this you guy, can't watch that stink off. Yeah. Yeah, I get a exactly. bad feeling. I don't know why. I know why. Four minutes of the most graphic horrible thing so, I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> but very well performed. So that's what HBO's great at is like they're casts are so phenomenal top to bottom yep. and yeah. you know people just really embody those characters and because it's a cable series that takes its time like they really spend a lot of time with those characters so they're not really fleeting right um so by the time that they do meet some sort of end or make some sort of massive character change like it's a big deal when you're watching it which i think is cool they really they take their time they make sure they have it right when i went in for that first meeting they showed me the pilot which was you know these were very early days, but they yeah. had the pilot. Um, and I watched it and I was like, that's amazing. Uh, like you got it, you know, put, why are you putting that on the air? Cause they could air that tomorrow. And they're like, Oh, my oh we're going to reshoot about 50% of it. <gasps> we just Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. They, they want to make sure it is absolutely as perfect as it can be. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Mitchell, the court gesture had a lot more. Than that original. They didn't, yeah. And the funny thing, they didn't change anything. They just made it more beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice position to be in. Yeah. Like, let's 
just devote more time to making it beautiful. Yeah. Oh. And the fact that pretty much all or the majority of TVs are like HD nowadays. Like yeah. just shows are just breathtaking to look at. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the stuff we do on Once Upon a Time. Oh just my blows gosh. Me away that this Canadian vistas that we turn into fairy tale land. Like woof. Yeah, amazing. Well, I love Once Upon a Time, and I think it's so. It's an, again. Okay, so we're switching gears now. Sure. <laughs> See, I did a smooth transition, yeah, but then what we, we do. And, and you had to go ahead and <laughs> throw a bump in it. it. Um, <laughs> but that's another, looking at your body of work and all the projects you've worked on, you have a real knack for um, creating worlds and then infusing like very almost mundane reality into the world so that the you know the threats of these insane problems are the same weight as the everyday problems. Right, very very well put. Um, yeah, I I actually haven't really created a show other than husbands. So what I do is I like you know the showrunners do the create world creating, yeah. but then that it, the thing you're talking about is the thing that I love to do, which is step in with an eye toward the reality in yeah. my episodes and try to balance like what would people really do in the fantastical situation, try to keep it really grounded. And yeah. I think humor is a big part of that. So I often try to grab the funny ones. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's what makes some shows so special. Like Buffy, that's right. the part of the magic of that show is that you care as much about the teen drama right. as you do about the otherworldly threats and everything. Yeah. Um, but on Once Upon a Time now, you have this great cast you're right. working with. And how did that, what was sort of the genesis of that show? Well, that was um, all before I got there. This was uh, uh, Eddie and Adam, my bosses, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, who come from the world of Lost. Yep. And they had this idea that they had been working on since before they were kept put on before they were hired on lost oh wow um and then you know lost got them to the level where they then could like take it out and do it right um and so they uh they had this notion of the fairy tale characters in this world um and it came about because they were thinking about like you're this evil queen in fairy tale land and you can do things as elaborate as getting a working oven in a gingerbread house (laughs) and yet you lose every time right like you, that's got to be so frustrating. Wouldn't you like to come to a world where you've got a better shot at evening things out? Oh. Um, and so it was. It all came out of that, sort of out of from seeing it from the evil queen's point of view. That's so fun. It's funny really to me smart. now that there's such. It seems to be like uh, a revisiting or a renaissance of fairy tale yeah. inspired yes. things right now. Like, oh I, think, I guess it sort of started with Enchanted, like being this giant box office thing, and yeah. then Disney trying to kind of cash back through all the princess collection stuff. <laughs> and um, then Red Riding Hood movie, and now right. we've got two Snow White, two coming. competing Snow dueling yeah, Snow White and films. I think there's another Red Red yeah. Riding Hood coming. Yeah, I think it, uh, these things are cyclical for a while. I mean, vampires had that thrown for a long time, yeah. yep. and then zombies. It looked like zombies are going to be them, but then zombies ended up just they just they only held the throne for like a. Yeah, I, I think they're not pretty enough. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they don't have a sexual allure, right. certainly. Yeah. Because um, I'm telling you right now, I've got my finger on the pulse. Mer creatures is next. It's all mer people, mer, bring mer, it mer on. people. Oh, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? No, I'm excited to see it though. Well, I didn't. There was no. There's no mer people. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like, a good wait, twist. What? <laughs> Why is there water in this room? <laughs> um. Yes, and and fairy tales for some reason the zeitgeist just landed on it, and it's just they're, they're the it's the fantasy setting du jour. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it comes around now and then. There, you know, there was a show called The Charmings, and there yep. was, uh, other there have been other dips into this. Oh, there, I did two episodes, at least two episodes of Buffy that had fairy tale 
references in it. There, there was the gingerbread was an episode mm-hmm. I wrote that had the Hansel and Gretel ep- element to it. Um, and Hush had fairy tale type monsters interactions, and um, so it's a it's a good place to go to for funny slash nightmarish situations because it's part of our popular yeah. like everyone shares this nostalgia shares and the it. memory, so you can dip into a world that people know and then tweak it without having to right. explain what it used to be. And, and it, it's a dark world to yeah, begin it really with. Is. That that that. You don't think about when you're a kid. You're just sort of like, ah, oh, she was going to eat the kids. But you have this sort of a sense deep down that like something's wrong with these stories. Why right. are these appropriate for me? Because like, they're thrilling in yeah. that weird way. Like that's yeah. why people love them. And if you go back and you look at like really the original Grimm fairy tales oh, like that too, they're yeah. even darker than like yeah. they got watered down in a yeah. lot of ways. You go back and you're like, that's like there's like dismemberment and things like that. But it's just kind of tossed aside as like well, yeah, because in the versions that we get, tales, the, you know? the kids usually win. But right. there's a bunch of them that is not so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real yeah, the kid stayed tale. up 10 minutes past his bedtime and was eaten by a monster. <laughs> Good night. Sleep well, kids. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It's awesome. Well, uh, did you help assemble the team of people for once? No, I was part of what was being assembled. That's great. Yep. Are they people that you'd worked with before? Yes. Uh, David Goodman, uh, who's our co-EP, was uh, the writer's assistant at Buffy. Whoa. Nice. And, yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. So now he's like my boss. He runs the writer's room, which <laughs> Way is to go, great. Boy. <laughs> and Andrew Chambliss, uh, who sits directly opposite me every day, um, <laughs> also sat opposite me at Dollhouse. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'd worked with two of these people before. Before. That's awesome. It was. It's really nice. It's a great, happy, friendly group. Yeah. That's like cooperative and excited about the show, and we like our bosses. And it's, it's that's really, something to it's be treasured. Great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great job. So you went to UC Berkeley. I did. Um, and uh, you started writing spec scripts out of there, I guess, for mm-hmm. Star Trek: The Next Generation. Very good. Um, so they had like that's back in the day when you could actually submit things somewhere, and someone would actually read it. It wasn't so much back in the day as one particular place. Um, No other show had an open door ever. Um, It was always just Star Trek. All Star Trek shows had that we'll read your script policy. And had you been a Star Trek fan? Yes, I was a big fan of Star Trek Next Generation. So when I found it, like, not only is there an open door in Hollywood, but it's on the show that I love best. Oh, that's so great. All right, I'm sitting down to write a script today. Um, And I wrote three as fast as I could and sent them in and... um, the middle one, the second one, was the one they called me and said, we want you to come in and pitch. And oh. that was the start of my career. That's so awesome. And that's when you were in grad school. Yes. Yeah, so or screenwriting? No, I was studying linguistics, cognitive science. So I had to talk to my advisor and say, okay, I'm not going to write the dissertation. <laughs> I'm actually going to write for Star Trek. Yeah. Got to go by. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a very bizarre meeting for that person to take. Like, okay. Look, Picard, Picard yeah. needs me. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, I actually didn't get hired on Trek. I just would go down a couple times a year and they told me about the Disney Fellowship and I applied mm-hmm. to the Disney Fellowship. So I actually let, had the talk with the advisor was I'm going to go right for Disney. Um, and that Disney yeah. Fellowship is still alive and well yeah. and it's launching a lot of great careers. It's um, really good. Everyone should you know go online, find the ABC Disney Writers Fellowship because it's really worthwhile. And the deadline this year, it's coming up. I mean, look, when this That's episode's right, posted, I think there'll still be three weeks left to submit. So if you have a spec script, um, check it out. It's been hugely helpful to people. Yeah, it's really good, and it's a it's a pro diversity program. So if you are if you are a member of an underrepresented group, I recommend this is a very very good place to go. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so out of the, through the fellowship, you got your work on dinosaurs or? Yes. That's which is one of my favorite shows ever. <laughs> so yeah, dinosaurs was the sitcom with the big Henson puppets. Yep. Oh. And um, yeah, I was in the fellowship and they sort of, they try to place you on a show. Yeah. Um, it's to the show's advantage because I don't have to pay for that extra writer that fellowship pays you. So I got put on dinosaurs and then on a show called Monty, which was a Henry Winkler sitcom. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. No one remembers that. You said, oh, yeah, like you remember, but you don't remember. I clicked on it. That's how I remember. <laughs> okay, I looked at it and went, hey. Oh. Monty. Monty. And, yeah, that was, I spent five years, five seasons in sitcoms, and then I went to Buffy. Wow. Yeah. And that's almost a little bit of a return to your roots or your interests because you started. Yeah, I started in sci-fi, but I actually had thought when I was a kid and, and early on that I would be a sitcom writer. I really, oh, really? Thought, cause I consider myself a joke writer. And yeah. so I thought, Oh, comedy's good. Uh, Star Trek's the way in good. I'm a fan of that too. But I really thought, you know, I want to write for mash. Yeah. Well, mash was gone, but I still, <laughs> you know, thought maybe they'd bring it back for me. Um, <laughs> so I really thought that I was going to be a sitcom writer, but, um, a number of seasons in a sitcom room convinced me, like, like this is no life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, well, and now you're yeah. still, I mean, that's the joy of the way you're writing sci-fi is the jokes and yes. the, the life you're putting into it. It's not, it's not like just for one audience. It brings a broad audience to it. Yeah, I I believe that if you're going to write realistic drama, it's got to have good comedy in it because yeah. life does. And uh, I think writing on a sitcom staff really teaches you how to write a good joke. It teaches you there's always another joke. Mm-hmm. Never hang on to a joke thinking that you can't beat it. You're going to always beat it. Um, that's a huge lesson. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, that's the, the, the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just sort of how to take every extra syllable out of it, how to make it as sharp as it can be, yeah. how to make sure the reference isn't tired, that it's not a joke you've heard before. You learn all these great lessons, but you're probably not going to hear a lot of your jokes on the air just because of the way that sitcoms work, where everything right. is so thoroughly reworked by the group. Yeah. It's, it's committee writing. Um, get those skills in a comedy, then go to a drama apply them in a place where the words that you're writing really get to the screen and mm-hmm. and you've got something you've got a perfect combination to to get humor into even the darkest situation and um I was really happy on Battlestar, which is not a show that's known for being roll around on the floor funny. Yeah. But it has amazing funny moments. Baltar is a hilarious character that I was able to to write humor into my episodes there and and I I'm very proud of that. So awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I always think that that really helps on shows, especially that get really intense, like those mm-hmm. shows do. Right. It's just something to kind of break the tension. You need like, that can, valve. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, Wash did that a lot on Firefly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just just characters like that, or just little asides, or little just you know, because the audience is observing it, and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> something has to be you know pointed out sometimes, and I think that really accomplishes that. I agree, and I think sometimes you can use humor to do different things. You can it can be the valve to release the pressure, or you can actually use it to heighten the pressure yeah. if you have a character that's joking because they're scared right now the audience knows they're scared and the Uh, nerves are shaking yeah Yeah. exactly so you can you can use it either to dial up or down the pressure you you can also use it to release the tension for a moment and then have something unexpected happen right right so the audience has let their guard back down and you attack them exactly and they're hit even harder punch them in the stomach yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) gut punches (laughs) it's true joss was excellent at that at getting the audience off balance yes 
Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in Serenity when he started killing off people. Because <laughs> I know yeah. he said at the time, he's like, well, if I don't, if nobody dies, like it doesn't right. feel like there's any actual peril. It's just right. fireworks Absolutely. until the last thing. And, well, that's yeah. why his whole community, I mean, the whole, anybody that's touched like Joss Whedon's Whedonverse has right. a really devout following. Yeah. And I think it's because it's so humanized. Everything is so humanized. Um, and it feels fresh. Everything feels fresh too. Yeah. He, he always writes from reality and from he really thinks about what would delight him as a viewer and mm-hmm. he's a very harsh viewer he's yeah. a, he's because he's so smart um so he's never writing down to the audience he writes to himself as the audience and that's what you say you yeah do as well. that's what, I, yeah. what i try to do i mean i'm no joss whedon there is no he joss whedon is is untouchable and amazing mm-hmm. but i i learned some lessons and and definitely one of them is write for yourself and that's something yeah. you don't hear often here, yeah, especially. I, I think that most network shows and things are often writing down to an audience, which is, you know, a turnoff in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I think we make a mistake when we talk about pleasing the viewers and writing for the viewers. I mean, you want to you pay attention to the viewers. What are they liking? What are they yeah. confused? But I think if you, if you start thinking of them, if you start thinking of writing for someone other than yourself... Um, you no longer have a way to test whether you're getting it right. You've yeah. got to be writing for your own taste buds. Because you're part of an audience. I mean, right. like yeah. that's underestimating yourself if you think, I've got to make somebody else like it. Yeah, well, also, right. if you're on a show, odds are your sensibility matches the show's sensibility. So yeah. you should probably write like, well, yeah. if I would right. watch the show. Right. I and mean, I find that like, I, the, the stories I hear from the writers that like hate the projects they're on, like they don't last very long there because yeah. they just they don't. Although I worked with a writer once back in my sitcom days. He'd had an 18-year TV career, and he'd never once written on a show he would watch. Oh, <gasps> really? Yeah. And it's like, it's, you think of, like, suppose you're writing on a show. Suppose it's 1994, and you've been writing through all of the 80s and 90s. Oh, my gosh. Like, and you've been writing on sort of sitcoms for kids. Like, that could easily happen. Yeah. Um, and Ooh, I think a lot of people so have unfulfilling. Yeah. It would turn writing into just a desk job yeah. instead of... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if it's and it's comedy, so it's a desk job you're doing at three in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons I left comedy, even though I was very... My last job in com Well, my last multi-cam yeah. comedy job was on Ellen, where I was really, really happy. But um, the show ended. And so it's yeah. like, well, I think, I'm on a, I think drama looks like a well, lot Well, you're more dipping fun. your toes into comedy now in a big way with That's Husbands. Right. That's right. Which is awesome. To comedy. Um, husbandstheseries.com. Husbandstheseries.com. Go there, check it out. And... Um, we have a Kickstarter that's up and running right now. Um, jump in. It's yeah, awesome. In. I mean, watch season one because it's yeah. so fun and so fast. And this is you and Brad Bell, right? Yeah, that's right. Brad Bell and I co-created and co-wrote this together, and he stars in it. And uh, it just, I think it is the freshest chunk of air to hit your nose. <laughs> okay, the, the, the whole analogy is not sound going. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's the precious chunk of hair, air to hit my nose I've ever smelled. <laughs> Husbands the series. Husbands <laughs> um, with the sharp joke writing like that. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's the story of like uh, two young guys, they haven't been dating very long, a marriage equality law passes, they go to Vegas and they wake up drunk married and they're going to make this marriage work. It's so fun. And I'm just, it's like, it's 
it's the most traditional comedy concept ever. Yep. Like accidentally married, married to the um, it's two guys like in the age of marriage equality. Like and, and it's, yeah, it could, it could be like a Billy Wilder movie from yes. the sixties. You know what I mean? Like that's that that's the kind of vibe that I get from yeah. it. And it's like if if people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to commit something. The episodes are like two minutes. Yeah, and they're, just, so, exactly. they're joke, 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 and they're yeah. really fast. everything that really could tight. be called out about like oh this setup is like it's called out in the show in the yeah. cutest most funny ways and you have a delightful cast it's yeah. so tight like mm-hmm. you've got three actors doing yeah. everything and they're amazing yeah we have brad bell yep uh, also known as cheeks that's his online persona uh, <laughs> sean hamian is the other husband brady and alessandra torasani who starred in caprica that i ran um, she is so great it's Haley, the the gal pal who's fantastic her, this taste. No, you taste like colors when she, she has like the colors. huge fishbowl champagne glass. <laughs> just staring at him, I, was, I fell in love with her. That <laughs> yeah, that is a that was a margarita glass, and we gave her. She had a regular size champagne glass, and that was actually one of my. Oh, this is one time when I was smart. Yes, um, doesn't happen much, but we were on the set, and I was like. Can we take that little glass out of her hand and give her this enormous novelty margarita glass? Um, I, yeah, it's just it's, it's yeah, it's as big as, big as a fishbowl. She has to pour champagne <laughs> she into it, keeps pouring yeah. it. Just a uh, moment of yeah. clarity and then a moment of complete yeah. zonkiness. And that was a bit that was written on the stage. The Utah oh, yeah? was written on the stage. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Yeah. yeah, we had we we had there a call back to the text speak when she walks in oh, she yeah. says I did DHTW yeah. I don't even have the words and we, we had a call back to that and we was like eh, this isn't quite working what else could she do at the end and we came up with the, the taste like colors and I think I think Cheeks wrote that I think Brad wrote that go Brad yeah Brad it's really good really, this, mark my words he's going to be a, a, a force in the comedy world yeah. for the next 50 years how did you guys meet up social media I, I saw he makes funny videos for YouTube and yep. I saw one and reached out to him on Twitter so awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's the, the dialogue super quick, which I love too. It's yeah, very, yeah. it's kind of has that kind of screwball Howard Hoxie feel to it. Yeah. Too, yeah. 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 Which I think is great. It's, it's, I always love the, the mixing of the old and the new, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's embracing the new technology with YouTube and all that kind of stuff too. And, and then the whole marriage equality thing now, yep. which is very now, but then it okay. just really has the feeling of like a classic screwball comedy, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's not much air in it. We, we, it barrels through it, which actually means it plays better if you watch it, um, like on, on, on your personal computer then when we show it when we show it to a crowd that it's cut so tight oh, yeah. that it doesn't have we don't have the hold for laughs that you get when you do right. a sitcom where you put in the laugh track so the audience sort of has to keep quiet to hear the next joke right. um so you know enjoy it enjoy it with your friends but <laughs> but be um, quiet that was, that was <laughs> <sort of> god's <laughs> sake speaking of billy wilder that's like that's like one of the biggest comedy lessons i've ever learned was in some like it hot the whole maraca scene with jack lemon yes. mm-hmm. is like they just added the maraca stuff in to basically hold for laughs nice. but, but to not have dead time on the screen that's which i think is smart. really brilliant when you watch it back so yeah that i never knew that that's really interesting more maracas yes (laughs) our show could accommodate maracas there you go cheeks could have maracas almost all the time and it would make sense (laughs) plus you'll probably get a grant from the maraca council (laughs) (laughs) and you might get to go to morocco that's right where they should game of thrones oh yeah full circle everybody full circle (laughs) but i encourage everybody to go and watch it because it's so delightful Mm -hmm. and you're just 
just yeah. gonna the only annoying part is having to click on the next episode because you yeah. want it so fast like i want to watch them all at once we have a version that's all cut where it's cut together oh, seamlessly yeah? into a 20 minute version and we have we have we have that on dvds that's one of the incentives that you oh get my gosh, on the, if you go to the it. kickstarter it's the only way that currently to get a dvd of husbands is to go to the the kickstarter and get it and if you do that you will be getting a version that is slightly different than what you've seen on <gasps> computer screen because we left in some jokes that we cut in the other version cut versions we left in so, so it's yeah, fun it's a little different yeah so that's it's a fourth awesome. character mitchell the jester <laughs> he's so he's good on this show <laughs> so good uh yeah definitely go check that out husbandsaseries.com it's awesome and give to the kickstarter yeah yeah go to search husbands yeah go to kickstarter and search husbands or just go to google and search kickstarter husbands or go to google and search <laughs> vanessa raglan boobs just kidding don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can search it i don't know what it's i want to start a trend hashtag <laughs> i don't know how that hashtag thing works yet i haven't quite cracked it <laughs> So you did you did five episodes writing, then also co-executive produced Torchwood Miracle Day, right? Which so I love. Um, <laughs> I, I the first Torchwood thing I ever saw was Children of Earth. Yeah, like, I had oh not seen God. a single thing before it, and that miniseries is like mind-blowingly good. It really is. It's everyone I've talked to who sees Children of Earth puts in the disc and then is up at three in the morning putting in the last disc. <laughs> like, it's, it's seriously that, addictive. Yeah. It's it's so dark and yeah. but really compelling and dramatic and yeah. and kind of goofy. Too because Harkness just is goofy. There's no real right. way around Captain Jack being kind yeah. of a larger-than-life character. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Miracle Day is great, too. Uh, Bill Pullman has an awesome turn as Oswald Day. Oh it's so chilling and creepy and great. I'd forgotten how much I like Bill Pullman until <laughs> I saw that. I Yeah, I had no idea how amazing he is. And the nicest guy. Just like when we went to appearances and things, Bill Pullman and me just hung out like buds. Oh, bring it on. He's so funny. <laughs> and I I got to ask him stuff because like, I was like, so this thing about how like people can't tell you apart from Bill Paxton, how do you feel about that? <laughs> how did he feel about it? Because I almost he, said it then. But was it Bill Paxton? <laughs> no. he, he said the people who can't tell us apart are the kind of people who can't tell. Oh, no. Um, I'm about to find out about myself and it's not good. He said like, you can't tell Chardonnay from Chablis. <laughs> and it was like, it's a, it was clear that he didn't think Chardonnay or Chablis like one was better than the other. He was just like, they're different. <laughs> I was like, I love you. That's so awesome. Yeah. And that, that series was great too. Um, also very wonderfully disturbing in parts. Um, and great too. And that one, there's that one episode you wrote, Dead of Night, which has these side by side straight and gay sex scenes. Right. Like, which super, like, it's really, if you watch it, like, I guess they like really cut it down for British TV because it was a primetime show and they weren't allowed to right. kind of go where it went. But mm. it's a really cool sequence. And, uh, and then I guess it didn't cut much. They cut like the pan down and you see the guy's baked, naked bottom. And like they didn't, I, my understanding is like they just cut out of that shot earlier. So yeah, it wasn't a, a big deal. And it, yeah, cause it airs there earlier in the evening mm. here than it did here. But pre-bottom plus, time. Yeah. Pre-bottom. <laughs> it was on stars. So you can get away with like, we're on cable. Right. So yeah, yeah. All bets are off on cable nowadays. Yeah. Oh, and you should see the dailies. <laughs> Hello. Goodness. Bottoms, bottoms, bottoms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, that's the thing too, is I guess I, I read up a little bit on Harkness is that, you know, he's not, he's actually a bisexual right. character. He's not gay. A lot of people just think he's gay because, right. you know, 
he hooks up with men on the show from time to time, but he's not. He's just right. this. I he's mean, omnivorous. Like, yeah, yeah, he pretty much will hook up with anybody that he finds attractive. Yeah, and aliens. With Fair enough. Bits and yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It, there, Joss always said. I don't think he ever got to use this line, but he always maintained that the vampires had lived long enough; they'd done everything, and that like, oh. if anybody ever questioned Spike, he'd go like, "You know, I'm 400 years old. You think I haven't done <laughs> yeah. tried it all?" <laughs> and I think I think with Jack, it's that exact same point of view of. Just just like like you live long enough. Yeah. You get interested. Yeah. <laughs> you poke around. See yeah. what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like series like that that instead of just being like, oh, it's another season, it's like their season is kind of like a mini series is the right. season. So it's Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Da da da, Torchwood, right. Children of Torchwood, yeah. Miracle Day. Like, exactly. I think it's a that's a fun approach to things as opposed to like, well, we got to do twenty two of these or whatever. Instead, it's like six, twelve, ten, you know, depending on the series. And yeah, that's why season four of Husbands is going to be Husbands Voyage to Jupiter. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> husbands for the voyage. I love it. Um, yeah, I love that. It was very cool telling one complete story, um, and we had a blast doing it. Russell T. Davies is just the most delightful human ever invented. And he was our boss there. And yeah, and I got to write so much of it, which was really oh, fun. That's I awesome. That. And he just makes you keep rewriting. He just keeps handing it back to you and saying, go deeper, go deeper. You can do better. And so you'd be like, on the 12th draft of Oh my it, gosh. Going like, I'm finding can things deep in my soul. I didn't know were there. Like, oh, that's really so awesome. Fun. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's cool about, about Torchwood is it's big as big a life as, as Jack is and such crazy characters, like Gwen Cooper to me is like yeah. the coolest, like biggest ass, ass kicking character on yeah. TV. I mean, she yeah. just, I mean, she's like so fiery and emotional, but also like pretty badass. I, I, I love that character. It's so good. Yes. And Eve is wonderful. The help everybody there was so nice and so wonderful and, and kind to me. And they don't know me. I'm coming in being all American all over their set and writing, <laughs> writing American things where they're like, that's not what we'd say. That's uh, a cookie, not a biscuit. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. And so, um, they were all really nice and Eve is fantastic. And yeah, Gwen Cooper, um, that thing in the the first episode uh, that Russell wrote, where she's got the baby in her hand and she's firing the gun, but she's put ear protection on the baby, <laughs> <laughs> and the baby was amazing. That baby that they hired was just grinning and looking around and, and like looking at the gun and looking at the people that were getting shot. And looking at the gun. Like happiest baby ever. It was like some, oh my god. Um, there's amazing footage on that show all the way through. Really good. Was it the same feeling as working on Gilmore Girls? <laughs> I love Gilmore Girls. By it the way. was different. Yeah, I it can. It was different. Well, I love looking at the diversity of all the stuff you've done, and there's all similarities through it all, like humor and strong characters, and a lot of strong female roles. Yeah, I've really written on very few shows that don't have humor in them. Yeah, um, um, I can't think of any. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've been lucky. Uh, I've been very lucky on the shows I've gotten. Sometimes it's been me being like going like, well, this just. I'd rather be on this than this and, yeah. and, and having noticed something and, and making a smart choice. But more often than not, it's just, well, this, this place offered. Oh, okay. And I go there and I go like, oh, this is awesome. Uh-huh. That's like, so great. So, yeah, I've just been really lucky. Like Game of Thrones just falling in my lap. Like, what? Okay. You worked hard for that to quote unquote fall in your lap. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't angling for it or anything. Yeah. But yeah, I had, had had at that point had like 18 years of writing. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the blue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, I think it's just rare, too, to have somebody who, who's written for so many different shows that all have such 
crazy followings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Battlestar Galactica has got a huge, huge following. Obviously, the whole Wii universe with Buffy and Firefly and Dollhouse. You know, Gilmore Girls has, has a, a big huge fan base. Fan base. Yeah. Um, just almost all these these shows have spawned fan fiction and right. had a lot That's of um, audience involvement, which yeah. is really cool. Have you read my Rory and Lorelai? <laughs> I might have seen it. <laughs> they go to outer space. <laughs> they go to inner space. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. Cole thinks outside of the it's box. It's pretty crazy. Nice. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so you, uh, I mean, you did write 23 episodes of Buffy. Uh, and, and you did get a Hugo for uh, conversations yeah, with go dead girl. people. I, I love my Hugo award. It's my, I have a Hugo in two streamies, or I have a half a Hugo in two streamies, and that's all I Who have. Who took the other half? Uh, Drew Goddard and I shared the Hugo for conversations with dead people. Fair enough. It's all right. <laughs> Which it's is all a relief. Right cool episode like every once in a while Buffy would have an episode that was just so completely drastically different in its tone and it's you know the way it was carried out that it's just, it was like kind of a refreshing like change of pace just for an episode and then you get back to the mythology right. the way it is but um, and I guess there's four of you that kind of wrote yeah, that yeah Joss and Marty actually also each wrote a segment of that um, Marty wrote the Willow piece and Joss wrote the piece with um, Buffy in the graveyard I wrote the Dawn at Home Mm-hmm. Um, being menaced part, and Drew wrote whatever the, whatever the other part was. <laughs> what was the other part? It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so really, it should have been shared four ways. But Drew and I had the the on screen credit on that, so we got the statue. I think oh. did Drew write the Jonathan like the Geek Trio thing? Was yeah, that, that must have been it. Um, yeah, it was it was really it was really fun, um, and I loved like on it just Dawn at home like that was really fun to write the mother's mud is mother's milk is red today on the wall i was like Ooh. <gasps> Ooh, it gives me chills <laughs> I'm typing it. um yeah it was fun and uh i had more to say about it. oh the hugo award itself i i was warned about this but no one can quite prepare you for the fact that it looks like a rocket ship which makes it almost impossible to travel with Oh, because no. it looks like you're traveling with a, a miss- little, missile. little missile. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So everyone warned me, like, like you're going to get stopped at the airport. You're going to have to explain. Like, I love there's a writer's community that's yeah. like, no, this is going to happen to you. Yes. And it's going to be the terrible. worst. And I want a shoe really bomb does. award. And I can't take that anywhere. <laughs> it's true. It really is. It's like it's the shoe bomb award. That's just what it is. It's like and like, like people come. Running at airport security when you have a Hugo Award in your life. I mean, it's really quite dramatic. Oh happens. my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Did you get searched um, or frisked? I don't think we got frisked. Although I, I get frisked every time now because I always Whoa. opt out of that thing. Oh yeah, I opt out of the new mechanism, so I get frisked like twice a month. Why do you opt out? Is there something I need to know? I don't know. I just don't. It feels real pervy to me. It feels. Yeah, it feels pervy, and it's like I travel often enough that it's just like if it's doing any radiation stuff, yeah. I just don't want it. No, and I also just want to—I just want to sort of do my own little personal protest to like. I feel this is political theater. Yeah, like I don't mm-hmm. actually feel that the chances are that this is going to prevent anything. I think this is all just supposed to psychologically make us feel like someone is looking out for stuff, and I just think that's a big waste of money. Yeah, so I would. Uh, so I'm going to inconvenience you to have to frisk me. And it's also, a treat I get for it. them. Yeah, and you yeah. Get, it's a treat for everybody, let's uh, yeah, face it. Yeah, I get a, a little bit of frisky. <laughs> yeah. However, they don't appreciate it while they're doing it. If you start going bump, chick bump, bump, Lower, lower. Can I go through again? It's cool if I go through again, right? I'm pretty suspicious, huh? What do you say, big boy? I got. I have a rod in my leg, and I got... um. A real rub down in Australia <laughs> because I set off the, the thing. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was it was intense. 
Wow. And I don't have anything to prove it except for scars. And so they got very touchy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. That's yeah. fun. So here's, here's a little uh, a fun fact about you. You named Zima. I did. I love this. Uh, working over at Lexicon, right? Yes. Uh, with my buddy, Mark Hershon. Hello, Mark, if you're listening. Hey, Mark Hershon. <laughs> That's right. Mark Hershon and I both worked there. And um, one of the things we named was this new um, brewed alcoholic beverage or yeah, it was it was something interesting. Like it was distilled. It was beer, but it was distilled or whatever it was. It was some weird thing. And we all like went in on some Saturday morning and they gave us all samples. And it's like, oh, it's like really sweet beer at nine <laughs> in the morning. Um, all right, let's come up with a name. And I was told um, that they wanted names that made it sound like a vodka. Yeah. So that you'd get that sort of icy, crisp, refreshing sort of sound to it. And my roommate was studying Russian and I just took out her Russian like exercise book and looked at the word words for winter and snow and stuff from the glossary. Um, and Zima is the word for winter. And just put that Smart. down on my list and turn in the list. And then later it was named Zima. It could have been on Mark's list too. It could have been on a dozen different namers lists. Because um, I remember I used to talk so to Mark fun. about that. And I was like, that sounds like the most fun job ever. He's like, really? You come up with 300 <laughs> names or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. You've got to like, do this extensive list. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's like you, you, you'll get 20 off the top of your head. And then it's like painful yeah. to try to come up with the rest. But yeah, that's really a great exercise too. 300, yeah. Yeah, it actually is yeah. um, because it it's, it's the, it teaches you that same thing. If there's always another joke, right. like there's if you turn in 300 names for a baby formula and you they come back and they say that was great, give us 300 more. Now you're like, oh, I'm already I already drilled through the bottom of that barrel, like, right? And then you go like, oh wait, like no, wait, I never even explored the possibility of soy. Why well, <laughs> yeah. integrate the word soy into this thing? And like you got find new. There's always more creativity below that last layer. And you do writing sprints on Twitter, yeah. Um, and that's kind of an exercise in the same thing that you just have to push yourself mm-hmm. through something without taking the time to stop and second guess yourself. Right. Although people, you can. I'm a big believer in outlining, so mm-hmm. I'm actually not asking people to do sort of automatic writing. Yeah. It's just like write for an hour. I want people to, if, if you're at the outlining stage, spend that hour thinking and outlining. Mm. But the hour of focus without a break is yeah. what I, And sometimes I'll say write as fast as you can. What I really mean is like focus, right. focus singularly. Um, and yeah, it's this innovative use of Twitter that involves not using Twitter. Uh-huh. Like that's what you're really doing. Is I'm just saying, like, step away from Twitter for an hour. Yeah, don't check your email. Just, just do your work. And people tell me that it's like the most work they've done in years. Like, like it is so rare these days to spend an hour. Yep. Just focusing on, on one task yep. that you, that people are like, I finished my dissertation. I finished my novel. I finished my screenplay. It's like you've never had like. You've never had this much time to write before because you've never set aside that. Yeah, hour. you've never given yourself yeah. permission to stop checking. Like mm-hmm. we've become such multitaskers, right? Yep. That it feels like we're getting a lot done. But if you look at your list, like maybe if you p- focused right. on one thing one at a time, thing. Yeah. <laughs> multitasking yeah. thing. Like as I, mean, I find that we're guilty of it too. We'll be watching something at the same time, playing words with friends, right. like while oh, we're yeah. watching the oh, TV yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that. I would probably like this a little bit better <laughs> if I was actually. I, I don't know when really I don't have my computer in my lap. Yeah. I'm probably doing crazy stuff to my uterus right now. I, I know. I think about that too. Cause oof. I, yeah, I write propped up on my bed yep, with me, the computer on my uterus. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's me going on too. in there. Maybe I'll I have mean, a kitten. Wait. Uh, <laughs> well, that's one of the things I just read this article that something like they, they pulled a bunch of like high school students or maybe like mid twenties, like high school through mid twenties asking that if they were allowed to text during movies, would it enhance their ex- experience? And like 85% said yes. It would enhance their experience? Yes. Cause you'd be able to talk about it with people. It's actually interesting how much more 
everybody talks to me, you know, the computer isolates us. No, we're so hyper-connected. Yep. We have to tell everyone our opinions about everything at all times. Yep. Things like podcasts. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are stupid. <laughs> but just, and yeah, there's a lot of the, the sort of... Um, commentary shows uh, 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 you know a friend of mine is doing a show called Stupid for Game of Thrones that's going to be like audio commentary on Game of Thrones after the episode where you can go in there and like talk with other people yeah. like it's like everything is discussed at all times and yeah and I get it I get that texting during a movie means you're always watching a movie with your friends right well I, we just had Felicia Day on and she mm, talks about the great. same experience because she's building her her new YouTube yeah. channel um, Geek and Sundry and she talks about the same thing of there's this perception that we're more isolated because of our computer, but really you have like so many more friends yeah. and you're connecting to people in a way, a side of yourself you might not show to right. other people. And I think that's really true. And I'm addicted to it too. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm talking to my friends all day because I am, yeah. you know, and I don't like the phone. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not phone. a phone person. I hate the either. phone. Not Although either, I was like, on the phone for like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if people like are sitting at home and they're watching TV and texting stuff like that. I, in the theater, it drives me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. They're yeah. saying like, they're, that's the survey is about like, yeah. It yeah. during the movie like in a theater right. and they're like sure and i'm like the glow right. of cell phone screens somebody was doing it during hunger games and it was i wanted to bop them in the head oh it happened to me right too well the, the the row in front of us was a bunch of kids that were like on some sort of field trip because it's on a saturday like yeah. at 3 30 mm-hmm. and like whenever the they would do that like three fingers quiet salute yeah. all the kids raised their hands up in the theaters and doing that which is cute mm-hmm. but also the kids were kids so right. even though they weren't talking that much like one of them was trying to open a wrapper for something right. for like 45 minutes <laughs> In front of them were like these two women who kept shooting them dirty glances, and I was like, "Yeah, they're they're bad." Then those women started getting on their cell phones, and the kept coming up. But I wanted to yell like, "You're no better than they are." You're part of the problem. Just, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, so there's there what we need is we need the chips in our heads so that we're texting in little tiny internal screens behind yeah, our eyelids. Finally. Yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> Airport screeners, no. Chips in our head, yeah. Like those, like those uh, camera contacts. Like, yeah, from Torchwood. From Torchwood, yeah. the camera that, contacts. Those are, the, I've got to think those are in development somewhere. Those are so awesome. Yeah. I would hope so. The contact lenses, yeah, where the, with the t- messages type out across your eyeballs. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'm playing the game now, but nobody can see. Like, Right. You know, never mind. You can't see physically and pretending it's happening. Uh, Let's do first, shall we? Yeah. We do this every podcast. It's a different first question, like the first movies on the theater, et cetera. This is uh, number 76. So they're getting a little out there. Okay. Uh, What was the first stuffed toy you can remember having an attachment to? Ah, uh, stuffed toy. Oh, it doesn't have to be stuffed. Yeah. Uh, my my mother tells me about... about um, about this, but I, I have a vague memory of it that we had um, a bowl of decorative fruit, 1970s style. <laughs> nice. um, and it was like a, a little, like a, a wooden, it was carved fruit. It was, it was a wooden avocado and a wooden banana yeah. and a wooden thing. And I grew very attached to this wooden avocado. <laughs> I mean, it was a mango. It was a smooth shaped Ooh. oval fruit with a leather leaf. Oh. And I loved it. And I <laughs> and it was it was decor. It wasn't a toy. <laughs> but it but I was very yours. attached to it. This this carved wooden mango. It sounds nice to touch. Yeah, it was very yes, it was yeah. very tactile. Oh. Yeah. I had a penguin named Pengy. Um, creatively named Pengy uh, because my uncle was swinging me around for fun and he dislocated my arm. And so he gave me this penguin toy that I would swing around by its wings. And, uh, oh, I like and that. And until you dislocated its wings yeah. and you had to get it a penguin toy? Poor Pengy. <laughs> Pengy saw a lot. I had that thing with me all the time and then I would um, 
like I remember spilling orange juice on Pengy or spilling stuff and like soaking it up with the penguin. And then my mom being like, your sheets smell funny. And it's because I have this like rotting stuff in there. And he got shaved down with my dad's beer trimmer because like we couldn't get all the stuff out. He got restuffed. Poor Pengy. He saw oh, a lot. And wow. I used to chew on his beak because it had like a little ridge. And it was so satisfying to go to sleep like gnawing and sucking your own spit out of You know that feeling like yeah. when you chew on a sweatshirt and yeah. like... <laughs> oh, it was the best to do that with my penguin's beak. <laughs> oh my goodness! So many more things make sense now. Uh, I, I, for me, like I had yeah. a lot of stuffed animals, and what I would always do is like, if I had one, like let's say I had a bear, the first one was always just named what it was. So bear, I had a bear named Bear that I loved a lot. Mm. But then after that, they would get creative, like oh Snowball, he's a white bear. So yeah, there you go, yeah, things yeah. like that. But the the one toy that I can remember, it was a stuffed tugboat. I Ooh. think it was it had something to do with the Fisher Price book because there was like the oh, littlest yeah. tugboat right, or whatever. Right. Like, I think it was that, mm-hmm. but it was a little stuffed tugboat, and I loved that thing. Oh, that's cute! Yeah. So that's what it was. That should be for your me. nickname, nice. tugboat. Tugboat. Tugboat Magoo. <laughs> I don't know about the Magoo part. <laughs> I did, you remember you you prompted a memory. I, my mother took me to the store when I was very 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 little, and said, "Pick out any of the baby dolls." <gasps> And I picked the black baby doll because it was different than all the other baby dolls. And so I had this black baby doll that I had my whole time. My little black baby. I loved it. Oh. <laughs> Your mom's like, now you have to tell everybody you adopted. You were a my baby Angelina Jolie. My mom was very cool. My mom didn't bat an eye. Like, you Good woman. Great. Yep. That's awesome. Very cool. All right, let's do my questions. Let's do uh, I'm going to give you five kind of goofy trivia questions about some of the stuff you've worked on. So let's see how well you remember. And some I give clues if you can't figure out. Yep. Okay. There we go. Question one You wrote two episodes of Dinosaurs. Uh-huh. In the episode entitled Variations on a Theme Park, mm-hmm. Earl and the family go to an amusement park called We Say So Land. Mm-hmm. What is the name of their mascot? Moolah, the cash cow. Woo! There you go. <laughs> I was excited to do an Utters move, but you got it. <laughs> nice. uh, I, just, I loved the, the humor on dinosaurs and it was everywhere i mean it was like a cartoon it felt like you're in simpsons yeah. or something where you see all the jokes beyond jo- like it was everything really was thought of show. and yeah. it was very um it went to political places yep oh, sexual harris, it was, that episode you yeah that? yeah and they had a whole war that was it was like the first gulf yep. war that they mm-hmm. dramatized with the two-legged dinosaurs versus four-legged very smart political commentary but you didn't notice it because it went through the lens of these dinosaurs yeah it's the same thing that makes sci-fi work it's the same trick battlestar galactica did dinosaurs was doing i love so it smart. i mean they built that whole thing around sexual harris which was like this character that was like hitting on all these other dinosaurs and then <laughs> yeah. they got upset and then like but i you don't understand and then it was like what sexual harris meant yes and <laughs> uh, all right question two and you mm-hmm. definitely know this who you co-wrote this sixth episode of season one of game of thrones in which the khaleesi's brother is dispatched by cal drogo by what means oh the golden crown that's right pours molten gold, gold. yeah and that, that was like early on where I was like, oh, they're going to kill people off on the show. Mm-hmm. Now there's no, <laughs> yeah. no way around it. And it's going to get pretty and horrifying at the same time, like beautifully horrifying. Yeah, the clink, the beautiful mm. musical clink when his oh, boiling inside head hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and credits. Oh, hello, show. Uh, question three, you wrote five episodes of Torchwood Miracle Day. The series mm-hmm. featured what Star Trek vet as CIA agent Alan Shapiro? Uh, John Delancey. Yep. Yay, John Delancey is adorable. Good old Q. Yeah. He's so good at being like such a like crotchety kind of no nonsense oh, guy so in the show. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, th- and uh, that was one of those full circle moments where it's like, I started out at TNG. That's mm. Star Trek Next Generation. Q's home is where I got my very first start in TV. And then all this years later, I finally get to write for John Delancey. So awesome. That's mm, so red. He's dreamy. 
Indeed. Uh, episode four, you wrote episode four. Question <laughs> <laughs> four. You wrote the episode Shindig of the Constitution right. show Firefly. Mel ends up in a duel with the conceited swordsman named what? Oh, wow. I can help you with the, the last name. Yeah. Epaulets. Oh. <laughs> Wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's- oh, Atherton Wing. Yeah. There Atherton Wing. Wow. Atherton Wing. I like that. <laughs> I see it, though. Yeah, I was doing a total animated Epaulets <laughs> move. Which is really good for radio. <laughs> and finally, question five. Uh, you're behind the excellent web series, Husbands. In the third episode, Nathan Fillion appears yeah. as an anchor for what fictitious TV network? Oh, my God. It's like the Sports Action Net or something. Uh, yeah, I did, yeah, that was what it was, basically. Action yeah. Sports One. Action Sports. <laughs> yeah, that was that's the thing where we didn't write anything, and then after it was done, like, hey, we need a logo at the bottom. <laughs> hey, Tanya, our graphic designer, come up with a logo and a name for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't so much me, but um, but I knew it had action in it. Yeah, action. Good now job. it's time for my questions. Okay, they're much harder. Oh no. Have you ever met an Olsen twin? No, I haven't. I saw in your likes that you like Very Mary Kate. Very Mary Kate is with the Elaine funniest Carol, web show so out funny. there. Oh yeah. my god, she's yeah. amazing and so funny. And I'm obsessed with that. And I'm also obsessed with the Olsen twins. So I'm yeah. always on the search for a good she story. She has kind of every episode. I think. Yep. I think out of these 76 we've done, maybe four or five. Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They they lurk everywhere. Maybe four or five people that had actually like good like yeah. hung out with them stories outside of like oh they're at some rap party and I saw them across the room. Yeah. They're always like skittering around people's stories. Like I was at this place and then in the background, like through the shadows. They're so mysterious to me. Okay. Up next. But everybody who hasn't watched Fairy Mary Kate, check it out. It's hilarious. And there's tons of episodes and it's so good. And they're very short. The way it has been episodes. That's actually why we made our short because we were fans of Fairy Mary Kate. Wow. Like part of what makes this work is how, you know, you're in, you're out, you're laughing, you're done. Jokes, jokes, jokes the whole time. I love it. Um, okay, there's this game called Mary Murder, F-U-C-K, but we're going to say oh, right. Mary Murder Screw. Right. For, um, Even just, though we're an explicit podcast and you're allowed to swear. I know, but it just feels dirty <laughs> in this sense because it's personal. Um, so Mary Murder F with a vampire, a Klingon, and a Cylon. How do you go? Oh, wow. Vampire, a Klingon, and a Cylon. I think you've got to marry the Klingon because Klingon, <laughs> Klingon love poetry. Like They're sort of a romantic people. Um, <laughs> Which leaves it to the vampire and the Cylon. Yeah. Um, screw the Cylon because they're generally hot. Yep. <laughs> and uh, vampires, now nah, out of here. Dust them. Dust them. Dust. Yeah. Yeah, I gave the question to John last night and he gave me the same. Except for he was way too fast. Like I said it and he was like, well, definitely screw the Cylon. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and he had just come off a Battlestar binge. And that was a bad feeling. So like, What's going on <laughs> okay. Um, you are sentenced to life in the universe of one of the shows you've worked on. Oh, Either wow. Game of Thrones, <laughs> Battlestar, or Dollhouse. Where do you live? Dollhouse, I think. Um Game of Thrones, you die of a disease. Yeah. <laughs> so um, fast there. Battlestar Galactica, oh, everybody's so hungry. <laughs> They're eating the algae. <laughs> Dollhouse, like you're either like ordering up some amazing fantasy right. or your mind's getting wiped every time and you're, you're sitting in the yoga room. Like, it's Bring all right. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, or you're in the attic. You don't want to end up in the attic. You don't want to end up in the attic, too. This is a hard one. Are you ready? Yeah. You have angered a wizard, and he okay. is giving you two possible punishments. Okay. Um, one of them, but they both have a bright side because you didn't make him too mad. 
you okay. you begged for forgiveness and then he frisked you and so he, you guys are at bargaining <laughs> um, would you rather be mute but you can write five times as much material so you're keeping your same skill set and everything just five times more productive I guess mm-hmm. or keep your, spe- your speech and gain one physical wish it could be like oh I want to change this about myself oh, or wow. I want a tail or I want an oh, afro those are both really good those are both gifts yeah. I mean the mute thing is like that's a small price to pay like, like you we were text. talking about yeah. yeah you can text like <laughs> so much of my communication is, is nonverbal yeah. and being able to write five times productively that's pretty that's great I was certain I was going to take that but if that magical gift can be anything can, can, can it be more wishes can it be longevity a physical it, wish it has to be something wish. to your person so okay okay I understand Oh, well, what do I really want? Like cute sparkly antlers? Like, yeah, or there's not wings? A lot. I mean... But, but it, could it be like a really healthy heart? Yes. Okay, then yeah, I'm going to go for that. Wow. That I'm going to go for that. Go, girl. Yeah. Um, okay. And now, this is just a little news piece I found. I heard you're behind a new spinoff series set in space in an actual Star's Hollow based on the Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> critics are saying this project is really pushing boundaries. So I'd like to just hear a little bit more about it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's based on your fanfic, The Rory and Lorelai in Space. Good, good, good. Yeah. I was hoping somebody would read it. It's out there. It's everywhere. He keeps yeah, emailing I, it to you. I, I, I stole your fanfic idea. And, yeah, it's, it's, we're centering it around the bread and breakfast. Like, oh. like it's about Lorelai's bread and breakfast, the, the um, dragonfly. Dragonfly, yeah. yeah, a dragonfly is obviously a ship. The dragonfly, <laughs> right? Um, and it's so it's a traveling bed and breakfast. So it's it like picks up space travelers at designated stations and like takes them to the next destination. And we tell, and it's an anthology show, a la the Love Boat, where we tell the stories of why these people are traveling, where are they going, um, and little little romantic comedies. And Cheeks and Brady are going to be like <laughs> yes. part of the crew, so like their little romance is going to be like one of on the one board. of those onboard, nice. ongoing segments. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited yeah. for it! Yeah. I can't wait. So search Kickstarter for a Lorelai and Roy in space. <laughs> Because we need approximately $17 million to do the first webisode oh, to build yeah. the dragonfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space shows are very expensive. It's all green screen. <laughs> you did it. You answered them all. You did. Really good Woo! job. job. <laughs> well, you gave me that action sports one. Uh, <laughs> we you were really close. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're um, right on it. In summation, ways to support you right now and look at what you're doing or mm-hmm. watching Once Upon a Time. ABC Once Upon a Time Sunday nights. And you can watch it on yeah. Hulu and I Yeah, on ABC.com. Yeah. Yep. Bring it on. It's a great show. And it's another one that gets you hooked with all the interpersonal dramas and then you've got beautiful landscapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, watch watch for the um the Robert Carlyle as Rumpelstiltskin is one of the more extraordinary performances I've ever seen on TV. And uh. like watch it now before the rush. Go, go. Yeah. Um, and then also Husbands the Series. Husbandstheseries.com. Love it. Woo. Watch season one and then gear up for season two because it's going to happen. And you can make it better if you right. go to Kickstarter. That's right. That's and right. Uh, people can follow you on the Twitter. They can. They can follow at Team Husbands. And they can follow me personally as at, at Jane Espenson. That's right. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great day. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.